In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So here, on this in-gathering Sunday, in our Gospel reading, appropriately, we have a financial parable, or so it seems. We have three servants, and to one the master has given five talents, to another two talents, to the third one talent. The servants are charged with managing these funds while the master is away on a journey. The master has returned and wants to know how his assets have been managed while he was away. Now, a talent was a measure of the weight of precious metal. And in any case, it was a chunk of change. One talent was the equivalent of 15 years of work for a laborer in the ancient world. In today's dollars, it would probably be an amount in seven figures. As we think about the servant's financial performance relative to today's investment instruments, we can imagine that one servant went all in, invested in cryptocurrency, and won big. And hey, now he has 10 talents, and that is a return on investment, or ROI, of 100%. He doubled his money. The next servant, with two talents, returned four talents to the master, maybe with the stocks and bonds portfolio. And again, achieved an ROI of 100%. The third servant didn't do so well and was so risk-averse that he more or less stuck his money in a checking account, or perhaps under his mattress, or as the scripture specifies, a hole in the ground. And he didn't make any profit at all. He started with one talent, he finished with one talent, an ROI of 0%. And if we take into account the time value of money and the money he could have made with current interest rates, a different analysis would demonstrate that he lost money. So out into the outer darkness he goes. And that's the parable at face value. But this is all supposed to describe the kingdom of God. Now, with this being a parable at all, can we think of anyone else who departs, goes on a long journey, and then returns to judge how we have done? For Matthew, that returning master is Jesus on the last day. Matthew's message then is, how do we use the great gifts of our lives? How do we invest and fulfill our faith? How do we appreciate, as the great thanksgiving from morning prayer states, God's immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace, and for the hope of glory. It's really sort of a life coaching question from Jesus. How will we use our gifts as a way to give thanks for those gifts? Do we turn inward and bury our soul in a hole, hoping for safety? Lord knows that was the way some of us lived in COVID, and I too felt that call. Or do we place our bets on the future, 
believing in that which will come. These are risk management questions, and in that discipline, it is good to understand our risk appetite. Do we, like the third servant, not have the belly to take the risk of hope in our lives? Do we take the leap of faith in our lives and go for the Hail Mary path, or do we lose faith and just spike the ball, letting the opportunity for a greater glory pass us by? Do we grow and grow in community, or do we play it safe, burying our hope? I used to do a lot of project management in the past life, and I would sometimes look at an overly optimistic plan that was probably going to fail and mutter, hope springs infernal. The message of today's gospel is that taking a risk, finding a way to resonate in the fullness of our beings requires a measure of hope and thus the belief that hope springs eternal. Life choices like this can involve financial risk, and of course, a level of prudence is needed. We have to pay our bills, feed our houses, put our kids through school, work on the retirement accounts, do our projections, and then figure out what we can offer our fullness and to our future. But in this practical, everyday realm, we are trained to think about investment value and balance sheets on a monthly, quarterly, or annual basis. Specialists can calculate return on investment and use discounted cash flows to ascertain the time value of money. Similarly, the operational financial processes of our church operate at first glance in this same realm. Keep the building, keep the lights on, pay the staff. If we are visionary, we can apply these sorts of analyses to 30-year investments and mortgages, and all of these measurements guided by the generally accepted accounting principles for GAAP or GAAP. But as Christians, children of eternity, we might measure things differently. For instance, as far as I can tell, there's been a church on these grounds for nearly 140 years. How do we honor that? How do we build upon the generations of investments, caring and skill that have perpetuated this community? How does this parish continue to care for the greater community and maintain its important ministering presence? How do we show our gratitude for these years of care? How do we value that through history and in our lives, this church has been a lifeline for us and that a meaning in our lives has come through our being lifelines for the church. What can we do so that 140 years from now, Trinity parishioners will be grateful for us? To answer these questions for this spiritual investment analysis, I propose a different accounting method. 
For this, we need a calculus of the heart. Last week, Reverend Julia talked about eschatology, the branch of theology that addresses the eschaton, the parousia, the time when Christ shall come again to be our judge. So, with apologies to certified public accountants everywhere, I uh, propose an analytical method that is not GAP, generally accepted accounting principles, G-A-A-P, but GEAP, G-E-A-P, generally eschatological accounting principles. When we think about our responsibility for the next year, the next century, the next generations, and in the time when he comes again, when God's heaven and God's earth are joined in God's will, and we add to this that right now, wars and disease increase the need for the work and presence of the church in the world. Deep investment analyses abandon gap and its calculation of the time value of money and simply explore the questions, what is the time value of the presence of the church in history? What is the time value of eternity? How can we invest not into the next fiscal quarter, but rather, how can we invest into the ages? Our mission at the end of the day, at the end of time, is to be sure that there is faith on earth when he comes again. To me, that means the persistence of the church, not only for the eschatological reasons that look to the fulfillment of history, but so that our community, the world, and all of creation can be a better place through the good work and social mission of the church. The post-COVID, war-torn, economically shifting world of migrating refugees and tenuous economies has left much work for Trinity, the diocese, and the greater church to accomplish, some of it with urgency. There are many in our parish who need our accompaniment, our care, and our healing. We are finding new ways to bring the parish together in fellowship, both brotherhood and sisterhood, for after the loneliness of a pandemic, we all need some healing. In closing, you are a very giving congregation, generous with your time, your talent, and your treasure. On recent Sundays and today, you will hear and you've heard persons talk about how important Trinity is to them and how they were supported by this parish at key moments in their lives. And I think that is true for many of us. Let us thus reflect upon our giving and measure them not only in death, but in deep, not only in prudence, 
practices, but also in thankful prayer. Amen.